welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. For the past 10 years, how we work has largely been a top-down approach. Senior executives at headquarters, usually in the West, develop a strategy that's pushed down through the management ranks at a steady pace until it reaches the individual contributor population. Work and life is kept separate, where the ideal is to strike some kind of elusive balance between the two. But all of that is changing. Rapidly evolving technology has allowed communication to flow more concentrically. The younger generation's entrance into the workforce has disrupted the way we do business as their expectations around access to information and how they work seem to be organically aligned with the pace of innovative strategies. Work and life has become more entwined and employees' demand for a seat at the table has necessitated a bottom-up flow of information. Here to discuss with me the workplace of the future is Rick Von Velt. Um, Rick's based in, at the moment in San Diego and it's a real pleasure to have Rick with us today because he's an expert on this topic. Thanks very much, Rick. Matt, it's great to be with you and all of our HR colleagues from around the world and hopefully even a few leaders that uh, will listen in on our conversation as well. So I first met Rick, uh, well, Rick, it was probably 10 years ago in Singapore, and actually, I still remember the search that we uh, we did together, and a lot's happened with your uh, with your life and uh, your career and your, your, your company since then. Tell, tell us more. Well, I've had a marvelous career, a marvelous global career, and a uh, uh, great opportunity to meet, uh, I guess, we met back in Singapore, um, probably even a few more years ago than 10, which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, my career, I've always been a, a person passionate about the potential of human beings. And so that led me to human resources early in my career. And I've had a chance to work um, in both the U.S. and around the world in both uh, Japan as well as Singapore um, in companies, for example, with Gillette uh, yeah, out of Boston, Dell Computer out of uh, Austin, Texas, and then eventually to Singapore, and then had an opportunity to help um, be responsible for learning and development when the Compaq and HP world merged out of Asia and uh, eventually found myself back in California. And at a point of my career, um, as I started looking around, not only to Hewlett Packard, but also a lot of other large companies, uh, for me, I began to realize that the world was changing faster and faster. And as I looked around, not only to Hewlett Packard, but to other companies around, I had this strong feeling and urgency that the skills and and activities and ideas that we needed to be doing and changing and helping our leaders and ourselves with were not changing as fast enough. And so in uh, about seven years ago, I uh, took the big plunge and and decided that I was going to go spend, uh, for now anyway, the rest of my career thinking about the future of the workplace and uh, happened to have a great opportunity to do some research and help Gene Meister and Kerry Williard author a book uh, in 2010, 2011 called The 2020 Workplace. And then since then have continued to do research and consulting um, around the 2020 workplace and really focusing on two things. Number one, what does the future of the workplace look like and how dramatically is it changing and how do we get ready for that? And then specifically for leaders in those organizations, managers, how to understand and get a grasp of all of that change and, and get ready for this crazy, crazy, amazing, exciting, scary world that, that we're experiencing right now. 
So what are some of the changes that you see have had a significant impact on today's uh, workplace, Rick? Well, I think we, we started in our research, uh, one of the most amazing facts that, that we were able to understand about the future of the workplace is that more change will happen between the years of 2011 and the year 2020, uh, which is nine short years, than in any other 100-year period of time. So we've gone back and looked at how work was created, managed, led, and how it took place all the way back to the middle of the uh, 1800s. And what is happening, a series of shifts, disruptions, changes that uh, are sort of all coming together at the same moment, uh, starting in the year 2011, all the way up to the year 2020, uh, is creating just enormous change. And it's not just generational change, which we know about, but the speed of change, the enablement of technology, the disruption that happens when you intersect all of those become very, very dramatic. And it's exasperated by the fact that we have generational shifts in the workplace that are sort of pushing at the fabric of what culture has been held to for so many years. If you look back and, and think about where did we learn our existing styles of leadership and how a company should run, most of that can be attributed all the way back to the early 1900s in textile mills and automobile factories in which we created this thing called hierarchical leadership and management. And it was perpetuated because we wanted people to do the same things over and over inside of an organization. And so we set up hierarchies and org structures and and the first HR organizations were set up all with the idea that if we could make people more efficient and get them to do more of the same thing over and over again, then our organizations and the bottom line would be more efficient and more effective. But, and over time, each generation passed that same expectation down to the next generation. The traditionalists said that the baby boomers do it our way. We know this has proven well. The baby boomers came along to generation X and said, this is how you have to do it. Follow us. One day you'll get to have your turn. And Generation X sort of now in the leadership role are sort of waking up going, okay, I've got all of these traditional styles, but I look around and everything is changing. And the new generations, the millennials and Generation Z or digital natives are knocking on the door saying, you know what? We've read about those things, but that doesn't work anymore. It's not fast enough. It's not enabled enough the world is working very, very different. And so we're going to push at the boundaries of those old traditional styles. And so existing baby boomers and Generation X leaders and now even the millennials are waking up saying, we have to rethink all of this. We have to think about how we are doing things faster. We have to use digital technology. Um, we have to understand the consumer mindset today, which is very different when we didn't have technology. We have to look at this war for talent um, and understand that everything is in a global virtual world, and it's done through multiple generations in the workplace, all of which have a voice and a set of needs of how they want to get things done. You put all of that together, and the world is rapidly, rapidly changing. And in, in the last five to seven years, as I've worked with dozens of organizations, um, you can see the fear and the, the excitement, but also the fear in the eyes of leaders and even our HR colleagues who realize how fast things are changing, but no, they are nowhere near thinking through what it's going to look like, uh, what are the skills necessary, and what do we do to get organizations and leaders ready for that next wave of the future. 
So tell us about this uh, concept you talk about, um, the seven shifts. So our research has shown that um, because of all of this change that's happening in these nine years, there are really seven specific shifts that, that, that really tell us things are very different. Uh, the first shift really is the concept of a faster, faster world. So no longer do we have waves of, or cycles in which things will change every 20 to 30 years. Um, most people in the past would think that there might be one big change in their career, but they could expect that there was a series of norms that would happen in their career, and we could understand very clearly what would happen in our 20s, 30s, 40s, into our 50s uh, inside of an organization. But that's no longer the case. Disruption is happening faster and faster. You know, of the original 500, or the Fortune 500 list, only 57 companies now have been on that list every year since 1955. And if we take a look at Standard & Poor's, where they track all of the top companies, um, the average life of a company in the Standard & Poor's listing uh, has gone from 67 years back in, in 1920 to today, where the average lifespan of a Standard & Poor company is only 15 years. And it's going to even get crazier because by 2020, 49% of the companies, and that's, that's five years away, 49% of the companies that will be on that list will be likely companies we have never heard about in our lives. And 75% of them will be replaced by the year 2027. So the speed of change is happening so quickly that we can no longer do, as, as the book said back uh, in the 1990s, where we, we read books about built to last. If we could only identify those skills that we've done over and over and just do those, we'll be okay. That no longer applies today. Instead, books like disruption and, and creative disruption really is the norm. So things are going faster and faster. Innovation is happening faster and faster. Repurposing agile leadership. It requires us to think about our leadership capability, our organizations, and say, can they be fast? Are they fast enough? Because if not, there will be technology companies, there will be entrepreneurs who will come along and disrupt us faster than we ever imagined. The second shift that we understand that is happening is the digital shift. And, you know, it started with consumer and it started with mobile, but the cloud, uh, everything from data-driven, cloud knowledge, virtual machines, robots are coming, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, hologram reality is coming. All of those things are now tools that will push in the very fabric of what we do and how we do it. And so even five years ago, leaders would sit across from me and say, Rick, uh, I've got an iPad. That's good. Um, but you know what? I'm kind of hoping that maybe if I just sort of hold on long enough, I'll kind of avoid this whole digital disruption thing. But the reality is, is that all companies have to embrace this, this, the digital reality. And it's not just the tool, but it's the mindset of how we think about access from everything in the cloud, about how we use data and data mining and and data prediction to really think about the future of organization. So leaders and organizations have to completely embrace digital and understand all the opportunities. Um, the third shift is really all around the concept of an on-demand world and on-demand workplace. And we're getting to a place today where people can say, I want what I want when I want it. And tools and entrepreneurial opportunities make that happen. Here in San Diego, with the, for example, with the new Amazon Prime Fresh, I can call up in the morning online and make my grocery order 
uh, and it will be delivered to me free of charge by 5 o'clock tonight. Everything that I want, when I want it, as I want it. Consumers are understanding what that feels like, and that's coming more and more faster and faster. And so consumers become employees. Employees show up in the workplace and say, I want knowledge, I want development, I want growth, I want everything that I want when I want it. And the question is, does our organizations, our structures, our HR organizations enable that, or do we get in the way of that overall? The fourth shift is really around talent and being a talent warrior. No longer the days where, you know, I'll tell you if you're going to work well for us. Commodities and best talent is rare. And uh, in the United States here, for example, there are over 5,000 jobs, despite the fact that we have an employment rate still of 5 to 6%. We have 5,000 open jobs because we can't find the right skill. And so if you have the skill, if you're developing the skill, you'll be a commodity. And, and leaders and organizations will be chasing after the best. So how do we retain them? How do we battle for them? How do we inspire them? How do we think about new styles of motivation, relate to them, and let them work virtually wherever they want to work because um, the talented people will be the king. And maybe you're saying, hey, our unemployment rate is, or our attrition rate isn't that much. The question is, what's the attrition rate of the very best and the brightest that have the skills for the future? Uh, the uh, uh, sixth area or fourth and fifth areas that we talked about is this interconnected style where we're a social world today. So we crowdsource. We, we look at becoming nodes and super nodes with each other. We influence. We're social. We use multiple methods by which we gather information and we influence other organizations. So, you know, at the simplest, it can be Twitter and, and our blogging, but at, at the more maximum, Leaders in the future will be influencers and they'll use social media and they'll be connected to people. It's your connections and how you nurture those that will, will really be important. Now, we just look at the social connections, for example, of, of new generations. Millennials have almost double the amount of social interactions via technology and face-to-face -face than their Generation X and baby boomer counterparts. And because of that, they push this concept of the more connected, more get things done world than ever before. I think we also see another shift that we're definitely becoming more global. We're becoming more urban. We're centralizing in urban spaces. Millennials are giving up cars. They're giving up possessions so that they can have quality of life in urban environments. And they don't want to get on highways and drive an hour in, in traffic. And they're okay with being global. Most millennials believe that they will have at least one or two jobs internationally. And so they're okay with getting up and going somewhere and working in other places around the world. And we have to think about how do we understand those intercultural uh, perspectives? How do we have empathy for multiple cultures that will be virtual as we manage them in the future? And then, of course, the last one, which we hear a lot about, but we're still not ready for, and that is really being a multiple culture in the workplace environment. So with the uh, this year, the digital natives are 16 years old. Uh, in many places around the world, they will begin to enter the workforce. And so, as we predicted, five generations in the workplace starts now. And when you are a leader and a manager, in the past, you could say, my style is the way that I will manage. Everybody else will conform. won't work anymore. So leaders have to rethink their style and their ability to situationally lead individuals, um, match and create a fifth culture within their organization, and really understand what it, what it is to be generationally savvy, um, to, to know their own culture, and then be able to say to the rest of the amazing people on their team, 
What is your culture, and how do we create a culture as a team? How do we do more, um, and how do I serve as a mentor and a coach to you overall? So these seven shifts are happening not just by themselves, but they're interdependent upon each other. And you put them all together, and it changes and creates a very different workplace that leaders have to be ready for, organizations have to be ready for, and we as HR colleagues have to be thinking about that for ourselves and how we help leaders and organizations get ready for that. So I found all of those shifts fascinating in different ways. I think for uh, obviously the emerging um, you know, workforce is very exciting because obviously um, you know, they're equipped with a lot of this capability. Uh, but what about for a baby boomer or even a Generation X person who has been successful uh, you know, through their own style, which has been generally accepted to be the style to manage or function, but now this is this style is being challenged. It's 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 scary. And and what's your advice for, for for those people about changing or adapting? Well, I think the first thing is you know the phrase leaning in really resonates well to me in this in this idea. First of all, we are going to have to recognize that that will be the way of the future. There is no avoiding it. We could probably go stick our heads in, in a hole somewhere and hope to dodge out of it, but. Many of us are going to be living well into our 80s and 90s. So this world is going to be around us no matter who we are, where we are, what's going on. So we have to, number one, just be ready and accept the fact that change is going to be faster and it's going to be different than ever before. And lean into it. Say, listen, I want to be a part of the future. I don't want to be a part of just today or the past, but I'm going to commit to being a part of the future. And with that comes awareness around these seven shifts. So often in my workshops, I'll spend a lot of time just going through each of the shifts, what they mean, helping leaders understand it. And as I, I make two promises at the beginnings of the trainings of the workshops, which are number one, you're going to be excited, but you're also going to be very scared. And I think that's okay. I think it's all right to say, say the future is uh, curious and disconcerting and a, and a little bit frightening, but also really exciting because we're seeing more natural ways of what people really want to be doing, how they want to be doing it than ever before. We're not doing things just because that's what we were told to do or somebody said, do it and you'll have your turn to do something different in the future. We actually get a question to be a part of, of the design of that. So leaning in and saying, what does the future look like? What does it mean to be faster? What does it mean to have a life in which I do a little bit of work and I do a little bit of play and, I, and, and that's all interconnected? You know, for Generation X, for example, we were a generation in which what we did in the day was very much separated by what we did at night. We had two different lives. We would show up in different places. And our kids, the millennials, came along and said, you know, Mom and Dad, um, you are just such a different person when I see you at work and what you think about at work than you are at home. And they're sort of saying, you know, we don't want a life like that. We want a life where we're our true authentic selves. And Xers and baby boomers are going, you know what, I kind of wanted that as well. But I was just told that, that, that I had to be somebody different. So we're kind of going back to a natural way of doing that. And I think for leaders to lean into that and say, that's what we want to do. But I think the other thing is, this is a moment in which going forward, there is no, I learn and then I'm done learning. This is a world now in which ongoing learning has to take place. I work with a lot of organizations that are literally setting up, for example, digital technology labs where leaders can come to that laboratory anytime, 24 hours, 24-7, and immerse themselves in a new technology because they simply want to learn the next thing. And it's that type of ongoing learning about digital, 
about how fast techniques help make you a better leader, around new ways to manage multiple generations in the workplace. It's leaders saying, I commit to doing that, and it's organizations and HR teams who say, I'm going to create a world now where there's truly opportunity for learning about all of this future, learning about how to make these changes, so that when leaders raise their hand and say, I am ready, I am ready to lean into the future, we can help enable them and, and get people ready for that. But again, I admit, and we have to admit to ourselves, it's exciting, but it's also scary. Rick, thanks very much. I mean, every aspect of this is interesting. For those listening, um, where can they find out more information um, on, your, on your thinking and your work? I appreciate that. Um, I try and post a lot of my ideas and discussions that I have with futures of leaders and HR folks on my website. So you can just go look up hrfuturists.com, um, reach out. And if you have questions, I, I spend a lot of time building questions or sort of as a conduit, a resource conduit uh, to various ideas and practices about the future. And also often a lot of my leader colleagues or HR colleagues will get together and We'll sit around for an evening or a day or two and, and just talk about all the various trends and changes in the future. So I'd love to help out, uh, be a resource in any way to folks, um, and just encourage for HR colleagues that one of the first steps is for even we as HR to sort of lean in and say, you know what, I want to be an HR person for the future. I have to look at my own skills and ask, do I show up ready for the future in order that I can help the organization as well as other leaders do that. So I also spend a lot of time with HR organizations, getting them ready and helping them think about what does it mean to be HR for the future as well. Thanks for your time, Rick. Really great to catch up with you again after so many years. Thanks, Matt. Great chatting with you, and uh, hopefully we'll intersect somewhere around the world sometime soon. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, follow our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.